Canada HR News on November 28, 2022. I'm Elena Bovireva. In today's episode, we talk about recruitment in healthcare, supporting job applicants with Down syndrome, steps that employers take to protect workers during flu season, global movement pushing Amazon for better wages, and other topics. Stay with us to get the latest HR updates. We start with recruitment in healthcare. Doctors already living and working in Nova Scotia will now play a lead role in convincing other doctors to practice in their province. The provincial government has announced that six physicians will serve as MD recruitment leads, participating in site visits and meeting with potential candidates to share their experiences of living and working in Nova Scotia. The MD recruitment leads will bring a clinical perspective to the local recruitment process working with community organizations, Nova Scotia's health recruitment team, and the Office of Healthcare Professionals Recruitment. They will play a key role in helping new doctors set up practice and serve as a resource for them as they establish themselves in their new community. CBC reports that Saskatchewan emergency rooms are getting some help with more than 70 Filipino nurses set to join their workforce. Recruits arriving from the Philippines are eligible for incentives including training programs, licensing, and resettlement costs. The ministry hasn't determined where they will be placed yet. Deans and assistant deans from Saskatchewan Polytechnic, the University of Regina, and the University of Saskatchewan leave for the Philippines. The institutions will provide recommendations on the credentials that Filipino nurses will need to work in the Prairie Province. Bridging is the process of bringing nurses from the Philippines into Saskatchewan's healthcare system. The health minister says they are focusing on recruiting nurses now rather than doctors, as this is where the critical shortage is. And the ministry will try to get these workers to move to rural places that desperately need their skills. In October, we reported that the province of Alberta and the Philippines signed a Memorandum of Understanding to assist in the recruitment of registered nurses and licensed practical nurses. CBC reports challenges with the internationally educated nurses' credentialing process. In Alberta, there is one program for them to bridge their education to the Canadian nursing program in Calgary at Mount Royal University. For fall 2023, the bridging program has 107 applicants for 80 spots. The College of Registered Nurses of Alberta said that they are striving to make things more straightforward for all applicants, and they've recently made changes to some of their processes. Staying with the topic of labor shortages, Canadian Down Syndrome Society and LinkedIn launched Employable, a network to connect inclusive employers with people with Down syndrome actively looking for work. Employable is the world's first-of-its-kind employment network. The society reports that over 50% of people with Down syndrome cannot find paying jobs. By building this network, the society and LinkedIn are increasing the visibility of an overlooked and underrepresented workforce that can help solve the current labor shortage. By adding LinkedIn profile to the Employable network, candidates with Down syndrome can showcase their workplace skills, connect with employers, and add employable designation to their LinkedIn profile. The site of the Canadian Down Syndrome Society includes many resources for employers looking to diversify their workforce. 
It is flu season and CBC reports that employees of the City of Burlington in Ontario will have to wear masks for the next six weeks amid rising illnesses among staff and in the wider community. Masks will be required for all employees in the city facilities, with some exceptions, but they will not be mandatory for members of the public at those venues. The decision to bring back masking for city workers was made in light of a perfect storm of illness in both the community and among city staff. Increasing staff absences due to illness have made it difficult to deliver city services, and the situation is causing burnout among those remaining who must cover the work of their sick colleagues. The requirement may be lifted sooner if health conditions change in the community and among staff. The federal government is extending employment insurance sickness benefits to 26 weeks, up from 15 weeks. Workers applying for EI will be eligible for the more generous benefit starting December 18. This change will ensure that such workers can take enough unpaid leave from their jobs to receive the extended EI sickness benefits. The government says that organizations have been advocating for increasing the number of EI sickness weeks for a very long time. Quebec's three major unions are calling on the provincial government to provide a 10-day COVID-19 sick leave for those who can't work from home due to the nature of their job. In a joint press release issued last week, the FTQ, CSN, and CSQ said there is an insufficient number of sick days for workers in large networks, such as healthcare, education, and childcare, as well as other sectors. The unions say that they represent more than 1.14 million workers in Quebec in both public and private sectors. The unions report that active circulation of virus and isolation periods are seriously cutting into employees' sick leave. Members have reportedly been forced to report to work despite testing positive for COVID-19 to avoid penalty. The aim of the extended leave is to prevent workplaces from becoming COVID-19 breeding grounds caused by those who have no choice but to go to work, even if they're sick. The unions note that the Canadian government has already provided 10 days of sick leave to its workers by amending the Canada Labour Code. The measure comes into effect on December 1st. Canadian Press reports that former Amazon workers and labor organizers visited some of the e-commerce's giant's Quebec locations Friday as part of a global movement urging the company to stop squeezing workers, communities, and the planet. The visit, timed to Black Friday, one of the firm's busiest periods, is meant to push the company to pay fair wages, taxes, and better account for its effect on the environment. It is part of the Make Amazon Pay movement, which will see Amazon workers and labor rights groups in at least 30 countries, including the United States and the UK, strike or rally in support of fair wages and climate change action. Workers in these countries have taken issue with salaries allegedly decreasing while Amazon rakes in record revenue. The company paying no income tax in Europe and seeing its CO2 emissions rise by 18% last year. The company responds that they have pledged to be net zero carbon by 2040 and offers competitive wages and great benefits while inventing ways to keep staff healthy and safe. In 2019, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Canada Local 175 
accused an Amazon fulfillment subsidiary of engaging in unfair labor practices. Subcontractors that had workers aiming to unionize saw their routes significantly reduced, leading to layoffs, closures, and bankruptcies. Recently, a U.S. judge ordered the company to stop retaliating against employees engaged in workplace activism. The government of New Brunswick has introduced legislation to ensure essential services remain available during labor disputes while clarifying the rules of engagement between the employer and bargaining agents during the collective bargaining process. The amendments to the Public Service Labor Relations Act would require strike votes to expire after one year, require 72-hour notice for strike action and 24-hour notice before a lockout, allow picketing for striking workers, allow changes to designation levels later in the bargaining process, ensure essential services are available by allowing the replacement of designated essential workers who are absent, and allow changes to the work schedules of essential workers during a strike or lockout. Another company is realigning its workforce. Manulife Financial Corporation is eliminating about 50 jobs as it makes changes to its real estate operations. The company says it is changing its real estate operating model in Canada and its regional coverage strategy in North America. In Canada, the company is moving away from property operations to refocus its business as an investment manager. Manulife says Canadian property operations workers will move to JLL in March next year as part of the changes. Manulife has more than 38,000 employees. In global news, the European Space Agency on Wednesday named the world's first PAR astronaut in a major step towards allowing people with physical disabilities to work and live in space. The 22-nation agency said it had selected former British Paralympic sprinter John McFall for astronaut training. He will join five new career astronauts and 11 reserves in training after ESA replenished its astronaut ranks for the first time since 2009. The agency received 257 applications for the role of astronaut with disability, a parallel role that it terms para-astronaut. Following a motorcycle accident that led to his right leg being amputated at the age of 19, McFall went on to win the 100-meter bronze medal at the Beijing Paralympic Games in 2008. The agency said the 31-year-old doctor would help ESA engineers design changes in hardware needed to open professional spaceflight to a wider group of qualified candidates. And this was Canada HR News on November 28, 2022. Please leave us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcast. You can also find us in Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. For more information on the topics discussed today, see the episode description and connect with us on Twitter at CADHR News or LinkedIn at Canada HR News Podcast. <laughs>